You're listening to Couch Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Billingsley, firefighter engineer here at Couch Fire. And today I'm talking with Don Suter, the assistant chief of Couch Fire, but he has a longer history than that. Don, welcome to the show. You've been with Couch Fire for quite a long time. 45 years. 45 years. And have you lived in the town your whole life? I have. And in that 45 years, what are some of the jobs you've done on the fire department or in the town or just your normal history here? 45 years is quite a long time. As the fire department, I was a secretary and lieutenant and chief and then assistant chief. And in the town, I was a town marshal for uh, three years. How long were you chief here? 30 years. 30 years. So you've seen a lot in 30 years in the town and in the area, mutual aid departments. Were you here when the mutual aid department started? Um, yes. Um, I was actually here before Morgan Township even started. They About six months after I started, they started their fire department. Before that, we covered half of Morgan Township. So when the mutual aid began, how, how what were some of the changes that happened because of the mutual aid agreement that came about? I believe there always was a mutual aid agreement. I, it wasn't like it is today. I mean, we rely on each other so much that we're just all one group anymore. Now, did you serve on any other public service organization other than Couch Fire? I, uh, I did put in a year at uh, Cass Clinton, which is Wanato. That's where I actually started at. So I've talked with a few guys, and they said to ask you about KIPS. What, what's KIPS? What is that? That is Couch Highway Patrol. When I was town marshal, I had a motorcycle. And I thought, I really like to ride the motorcycle. So I thought, huh, I'll put red lights and a siren on this thing. And I got a helmet and some boots. And we were Couch Highway Patrol. So you were like the, the first... The first member of uh, the motor motorcycle response or whatever. First and only. Right? <laughs> now, I like to ask guys, during the time that they've been around, what are some changes? What are um, some notable things that people may not necessarily know about the town of Couch or about the Couch Fire Department? Well, there's been a lot of changes in the years I've been around here. Starting off with how we're paged out. In the old days, there's a, if you look on the water tower, the old water tower, there's a siren up on top. And if there was a fire call, they blew that siren three times. And if that don't make the hair stand up on your arms, nothing will. You know, they, there was no 911. We had what's called fire phones. There were 10 fire phones in the, that firemen had, and it would ring over your regular phone, or it would, would be a long, a steady ring. So you'd pick that up, and whoever stayed on the phone, whoever got to the station first, they would uh, answer the phone, and they would tell them where it was at. So that was, that, that was before our, our pagers, our active 911 that we have on our phones that's how we currently receive our our tone outs right now um, right so it was before everything right so you, i mean you basically you had a guy i mean at their house and the phone would ring that's that's how you knew you had to call we had to uh check on the weekends make sure somebody was going to be home so somebody would answer the fire phone and then we 
decided that we could uh, blow the siren from our houses. So we got a hold of some telephone wire and we strung wire to houses all over town that we could blow the siren from our house. So if our wife was home and we had a fire call, she could blow the siren while we went to the station. Now, the water tower you're, you're, you're talking about, where's that located out here in town? It's uh, right there in Mentor behind the coffee cup. Or the old coffee cup? The, the old uh, coffee cup. Brisket and bones now? Right. That siren was put up there in 1934. It's a, a federal Q siren up there. Now, was that siren only used for fire calls? They used to blow it every day at noon. Somebody would push the button. I don't know why, but they did. I mean, you got to play with the siren if you have one, right? I guess. Make sure it worked. <laughs> now, you attended Couts, right? Yes. Did you attend the current school building or the other one? I was in second grade. We moved to the new elementary wing. I remember we had to push our desk down to our new room. Right. But uphill both ways, right? Yeah. 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 So then you, you did attend school in the building that we're currently in. Yes. Where was the school before that? Uh, right north of the school, but that was way before my time. Right. Just recently, you um, became the assistant chief. Now, since you've been the assistant chief, has things changed dramatically? Or Because I know you're very much a part of everything that we're doing. Um, everybody looks up to you. Even we, Everybody still calls you chief. What are some of the biggest things that you've seen in the firehouse you know, as far as tools, apparatus, guys, any of those things different? Well, when I decided to retire as being chief, I've been chief for 30 years, and I got to the point where I really didn't want to change anything. I was happy with the way they were, and I thought, you know, if we don't change, we will fall behind. And that's why I decided it was time to retire. But I've seen it happen before where guys were forced out and it gets pretty ugly. And I didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to be on my terms. So, you know, I decided to retire from that. But I wanted to help whoever was going to be chief get going, you know. So I told Jeremy that, that I would be glad to help him for a year or so. Here we are three or four years later. and I guess I'm still helping him. But I... I just didn't want it to to be a big match of changing control. And Jeremy's done a really good job. You know, he's he's young. He's got a lot of ideas. I was, I ran out of ideas. I mean, you, you do something for so long, you start to get comfortable. And then you, you, you realize that you just wanted to have a change here. So you facilitated that. Right. Which... We don't want you going anywhere for the next 50 years, so get comfortable. Well, I don't think you're going to get that out of me. <laughs> Just might as well get comfortable. You're here. <laughs> you mentioned the town marshal. What, what was that all about? Um, I was reserve officer for a while, and then the town marshal left, and I thought, well, I can do that. So I took that job. I went to the Indiana Police Academy in Plainfield, uh, graduated from there, and had the marshal's job, but I also had trucks at the same time, so I was trying to do the marshal's job and keep a trucking business going. And finally, after there was only two of us on the department at that time, so you never really 
had any time off. If your deputy wasn't working and you were off, they called you at home. So you never had any time off. And after three years of that, I couldn't take it anymore. Is that when you went to the Porter County Highway? No, I uh, had my own trucking business for 13 years, and then I worked for Cargill for 15 years, and then I went to County Highway and ended up retiring from there. Being a part of this town for as much time as you have been, you've seen a lot of businesses go, come in, you know, grow, leave. What are some of the more notable businesses that maybe were here or people don't know that were in town years ago that... Or no long do we ever have a, a local grocery store, a butcher, you know, um, stuff like that? Yes, we we had a grocery store and a butcher, and uh, the lumber yard was there where Family Express is now. That was the lumber yard. Couch Ready Mix, they were down on the, the road there, and Couch Building Supply. Now, those guys were all on the fire department, and... When there was a fire during the day, you would see guys running down Main Street to go to the fire station. It was pretty cool because there was aprons flying off, you know, and they were running to the fire station. Didn't have the blue lights like we have now. No, no, no. <laughs> the shop owners or the business owners in town were also the firemen that protected the town. Yes. And having them run up the street, run down the street was probably a sight to see back then. Yeah, it was pretty comical, some of them. Didn't run very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, growing up in Couts, going to school here, knowing a lot of business owners, you were even a town marshal at a time. What got you started in wanting to be on the Couts Fire Department? Well, I grew up on a dairy farm southeast of town. And uh, my dad milked cows there. And every winter or spring, the co-op or whoever brought a sheller out to shell corn because we picked corn on the ear then. So they came out and shelled corn. Well, they, the corn goes in the truck and the cobs go one way and the shucks go another way and they make a big pile of shucks. So they came out and, and shelled. And I told my dad, I said, I'm going to go burn those shucks. He says, no, nah, you better not. He says, too windy. You better check first. And I said, okay. Well, I was bound to determined to burn the shucks, so guess why I went out there and burned the shucks? Well, needless to say, I started the hayfield on fire. So we had to call 3333, which was the fire number then. And uh, pretty soon in comes this 1959 Dodge Power Wagon, all red and shiny, two guys in the front. And they jump out to have the guy in the back put water on the fire only there wasn't a guy on the back anymore they left town with a guy on the back but when they got there he wasn't there anymore so they called on the radio and the tanker was coming and he says well i just seen that guy crawling out of the ditch over on the other road over there well they went across crooked creek bridge which had a big bump knocked him off he slid down the gravel road and into the ditch so so they call back and uh, there was no ambulance to speak of it was the funeral home that had the ambulance so the ambulance or the funeral director was on the fire truck so he had his wife bring the 
ambulance, which was a Chevy wagon. They threw this guy in the wagon and off to the hospital they go. So that's how I got interested in the fire department. Seeing the guys respond and, and right. being a part of that. Yeah. What was the interview process like back when uh, when you started? Did we have an application back then or did you just, hey, show up, you're on? Hey, uh, my application is actually in the file in there. It's one page, just basic information. You showed up at this meeting and they voted on you and after they voted you on, they threw you a pair of boots, three-quarter inch boots, no bunker pants, a coat, a raincoat, and a helmet. Well, times have changed. I mean, we we don't ride the tailboard anymore. You know, that's a shame because what a thrill. Right. I right. I got to ride the tailboard. Now, if that's not cool, I mean, here you are, you got your boot, helmet, coat on. And people are coming out the road to watch. Here you are. You're, you're the big man in the back. Right. Waving at people as you go by. I mean, it was a common thing, guys falling off the back, so they even started having you strap in, right? Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible idea it was to ride on the back. <laughs> but it was fun. Right. <laughs> now, during that time, you, you were here probably when there were some guys that were almost, well, I would say really close to some of the original guys, either their kid or their grandkid, or, or whatever it was. Yeah, there wasn't anybody that was originally on the fire department. Well, yes, there was. I believe Joe Shepard was an original guy. He was still on when I started. So the fire department started in 1921, and this is year 2021, so it's 100 years since the fire department was established. So I've been here 45, so I almost make half of, the time that the fire department's been here. Right, and you would know a lot of the guys' history from back then because you kind of carry that with you. And that's one of the reasons why I want to be able to sit down and talk with you because I want to preserve the stories of the guys here at the firehouse. Is there anyone that sticks out in your mind from the past, a, a funny story, great, haha, funny, you know, uh, innocent type story? We don't want to get into the the other crazy stuff, but there's got to be some great stories floating around about the Cops Fire Department. I don't know how many people knew who Awalt Jans was, but he was a Porter County Sheriff, and he was a town marshal at one time, and he was a big man. Well, he hated shorts for some reason. So if anybody come to the station with shorts on, they'd sit down, and he would slap them with his beast of a hand on their leg, and he would leave a red mark with all his fingers intact to go, yeah, let me show you where the horse bit me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, teasing each other, the back and forth, the whole, that's been a part of the fire service forever. It, it has. I mean, we're more than a family, really. I mean, if anybody needs anything, there's 14 guys there to help them. Right. It's just, it's great. Has the training changed a lot? Training has drastically changed. After a while being on, we would take courses, you know, but they would just be day courses. Now these guys are going to the MAC, which is a great service that they have in Valpo. These guys that are going to it, they're going two nights a week and all day on Saturday for six months. A lot of commitment. 
I, I don't know if I could do that. Right. You know, in a family setting with a wife and if you got kids and whew, that's a lot of time. Right. And the guys that are the guys that are able to go through that, that just shows more of their commitment to the fire service and to the community by being able to change their schedule, head out to the Mac, be there as much as possible, and also attend our trainings and our business meetings and our Sunday duty. What do, what do we do here uh, on a Thursday night or a Sunday night? Because when a lot of the people drive by the station, they'll see cars here a lot. I mean, just probably just about every day. But on a Thursday night, the parking lot's full. On a Sunday, it's usually pretty full. But what, what's going on inside the firehouse? Well, we're always checking trucks, checking equipment. Uh, there's a multitude of saws and cutters and everything else on these trucks. And we start that stuff every week and make sure it runs. And you're checking the trucks, checking the oil, checking the water. There is always something broke somewhere along the line. So Always maintenance, right? Always maintenance. And the Thursday nights we train. Sundays we do paperwork. I do a lot of paperwork on Sundays. One Sunday a month we have our chaplain comes in and does a, a church service for us. And I really look forward to that. Yeah, a lot of guys do. A lot of guys do. It's uh, something different. I don't know of anybody else that's doing that, but Jay offered to do that, and I'm really glad he did. They look forward to that Sunday with Jay. And I don't know if it's because of Jay or because of the roles that Jay brings. (laughs) (laughs) The cinnamon rolls are phenomenal. Um, But, no, in all honesty, the guys look forward to that moment because we're all together. Um, we're, we're sitting there listening to Jay, and he always brings a different perspective, I guess you'd say, to certain situations that we may have experienced during that month, the, the three weeks prior. So it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Yeah, I, I really look forward to it when he comes that week. It's something we miss, you know. We don't, most of us don't go to church on Sundays because we have commitments here, and that's something you miss out of your life. I guess the older you get, the more you think about it, you know, just glad we can do something. Yeah. And it's, it's, I've never really heard of it happening anywhere else. And I'm actually really appreciative that we have that opportunity for our members. And it's so receptive by the uppers, if you will, to make that happen. Right. It's, it's really, really nice that to know that we have that kind of support, not just from, we always say the upper brass, you know, um, but not just from them, but from the members itself to to be supportive of that, which is amazing. If you refer to me as the upper brass, I don't think I am because I'm just one of you guys. Well, and, and we all know that. We, we, <laughs> we all know that, but that's just a term. That's just a term. Even though you've been here mostly half the, half the time the couch has been open. <laughs> we talked earlier about the funeral director here in town, being the ambulance service as well. What you see today is nothing like what we had back then because it was the funeral director that that had the car. They used it for the flower car and funerals and everything else, but he had a stretcher in the back and an O2 tank. So if you need to go to the hospital, he'd call for the ambulance they called it an ambulance. They'd come out there and they throw you on the cot. 
And if you've survived the 90-mile-an-hour ride to the hospital, you were good to go. I mean, there was nothing they were going to do for you except give you oxygen. It was, how fast can you get there? Where today, it's actually a ER on wheels. You know, there's paramedics there, and they can deliver drugs, and they can do this and do that, where there was nothing of that back then. The guys that we have and the, and the ladies that we have that are in the ambulances, to be able to have that service here in town and have that change from, hey, just throw them in the back of the truck, basically, to here's some instant care and technology that they have now is a, is a huge difference between the two. Just think, and that's only in 45 years of change. You know, how big a change is that? Right. Right, throwing it, throwing the back of the truck and going to the hospital. Yeah, and I mean, kids can't even ride in the back of a truck now, you know. But technology changes fast, and the need for certain things change. The technology of tools that we have has changed quite a bit, even with our apparatus. You said it was a 1959, 59 Dodge Power Wagon. Dodge Power the, Wagon. The uh, I believe uh, Dick Shale, who was a blacksmith in town. He pretty much built that truck. Um, Bob Clausen had a gas station. All these guys had something to give. You know, Corkmall, the concrete guy, he he would bring equipment. If there's a snowstorm, he had a V-plow on front of his truck, and he would he would go out and bust roads open where nobody else could. So these guys all had something to do with the community they they were deep seated in the community and and wanted to help and that's what makes a difference usually is you're not just doing this for accolades you're doing it to help other people in your community where the whole community comes together even today the community continues to support this firehouse and a lot of them don't really know the real history of of how things have come about you mentioned before, 1921, we've been here 100 years. Now, the fire station hasn't always been where we're at right now, correct? No. it original fire station was in the family room of cronies. I believe that was town hall, too. I'm not really sure. And then it moved to where the town hall is now. There was two bays in there, and the town hall was on the north side. That's where I started at. So you started over when it was at where the town hall is? Yes. And then in 1985, I believe it was, we built this station. We were, we were out of room over there, and it was terrible to heat as a block building. And We went to Fire and Boone Grove one night. It was 20 below and come back, and all the trucks were frozen. We backed in there and put NIPCO heaters in there and tried to thaw things out, and it looked like there was a rock band going on in there because of fog come off the ground you couldn't even see in there anymore we decided then it was time to move on get something a little better so the station was completed in about 1985 the new one where we're at now right right? and then was there any expansions after that Uh, a year later we added a bay on it was originally planned for four bays but we didn't think we could afford it because we built the station with donations and one of the ways we raised money, we had a garden tractor pull every week. We built our own sled, 
and where the dentist's office is now, we had a track and we pulled garden tractors every Sunday. And that's how we made money to build the station. So there was no tax money involved in this. It was all money from the people that we went out and earned to, to build the station. Which also is a testament to every generation that's been here in Couts. The support that they've been giving us throughout the years has allowed us to not just build a fire station or help acquire of apparatus or tools, just about anything, even for community outreach, they're always standing behind us. Right. If we didn't have the support that we do from the people of Couts and Pleasant Township, we wouldn't have half of what we have here now. I mean, the people get behind us. Most of them, there's some people that think that we're here 24 hours a day as a, as a paid department, and they're, they're floored when they find out that, no, we're all volunteers, and we live at home. We don't stay at the station. When the pager goes off, we jump up and go to the station. And people don't know that sometimes. Right, especially now because we've had a lot of, over the last few years, we've had a lot of subdivision work, new homes coming up, and a lot of families moving in from other areas. And they come by here, and they have they take no no second thought of thinking is that a volunteer fire department is it not a volunteer fire department. Right. So that's some of the reasons why they may not see it. But that's also a testament to the guys that we have here. They grew up here. Their family supported the fire department. Either a member was a part of it, or they just been around it. When I talked with Chief, he had said that there was a morale change in some of the years that he's since he's been in the fire service where guys have went from uh, like a brotherhood type aspect or friendship type aspect to a real family that we experience here at Couch Fire. Has that always been the way in in the station here or has things been a little different? I think so. Uh, once in a while you'll get some groups, you know, that kind of group up, but basically everybody's just on the same page. It was funny when, my kids were growing up they understood you know the pager went off i was out of there well i had a take-home vehicle that i backed in the garage and my son he was into video games well all his buddies would come over at night you know we redone the basement and they was all down in the basement is good place for him because i knew where they was at but nobody would ever park in front of my garage door because they knew if the pager went off, I was out of there. One night, the pager goes off, and I hear this kid scrambling up the basement stairs. He goes, I'm parked in front of the garage door. I'm parked in front of the garage door. <laughs> he moved. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want you to push his car out. <laughs> he knew he was in trouble. He parked in the wrong spot. <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing, our families and the support from them. I know you bring in a, an amazing biscuits and gravy. Every once in a while. And everybody here, now, a lot of times some guys will go out to breakfast, you know, just to, because we're up before we're supposed to be here. But we have breakfast here every Sunday. But it seems like whenever you're bringing in breakfast, everybody comes here and doesn't really want to go out to the restaurant. Um, that comes from the support at the house. I mean, she's been with you for a long time, and she's a part of the firehouse just like anybody else, you know. Yeah, the, the kids learned early that, you know everybody in town because 
one of my daughters got stopped for speeding in Malden, and before she could tell me that she got stopped and speeding for, for, for in Malden, I asked her if she got a driving award that day. She goes, how do you find this stuff out? I said, I got people to call me. You got a ticket? I know you got a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you can't hide it from Dad. No. <laughs> you get somebody rings up your phone, hey, we uh, just talked to your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Does your daughter drive this kind of car? Yeah. Well, she, she, she stopped in Malden right now. <laughs> yeah. It, when I talked with Salyer, um, Captain Salyer, we discussed a little bit, like my daughter, she knows that everybody, all the firemen know who she is and they see her, you know, not only is she protected and she, she has protection, but she also has that tattletale, if you will. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and right. She goes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I have it. And sometimes I, I'm kind of worried that I'm going to do something wrong and get caught. And I'm like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, one of the big things here at the station is the coffee. We, we drink a lot of coffee and, uh, when guys get on the trucks, so some guys get to respond, but we also have guys sit here and wait in case anything else is needed or if another call happens, we already have guys ready to respond. There's some rules about that coffee pot, right? You better believe it. It better be full when I get back here. If you don't have the coffee made, you're, you're going to get busted for it, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's one of the first things you learn when you join here, how to make coffee. Yeah, we we got a nice coffee pot. Sometimes people bring coffee in and drop it off. We appreciate it. Yeah, once in a while we get that foo-foo coffee, but uh, we try to keep regular there. There's it. nothing wrong with blueberry coffee and <laughs> banana nut coffee. <laughs> but, yeah, because, I, I mean, when when I got on, I remember I, I sat down. I thought I did something good. I did started writing some reports, and it was like the first time I did one of the reports, and I, I was more concentrated on that than doing anything else. And you come in. You walk straight to the coffee pot and there was none. And that's the day that I'm not going to forget that you didn't make the coffee. I'll take care of the reports. You make sure there's coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, that's another big thing. Because, like I said, we do a lot of jokes, a lot of razzing, a lot of, you know, back and forth between the guys. But it's usually a healthy thing and it's just us having fun. Well, you can't take everything too serious because you drive yourself crazy. There. There's things that we see that nobody should have to see. And you people think we make jokes of things, but it's really a way to cope with what we're seeing. Um, you know, there's calls that I've been on I can I can visualize that call today. Mm -hmm. And it just stays with you forever. Right, and and that's another great thing about having Jay come by. And even though the back and forth between the guys, it gives us the opportunity to blow off some steam and to get get those emotions out in a fun type of way, you know, to where we can deal with it. Right. You know. Nobody means anything by it. It's just a way to cope with what's going on in the world. And it's always a contest too, you know. Oh yeah. You know, guys, guys, I know the truck better than you. And, and, you know, I know the truck or this way is better. That way is better. But we call each other out. I mean, there's been times at two o'clock in the morning, we're throwing hose just because a guy said he can do something better than the other one. You know, uh, we, we've experienced that quite a bit. Right. And that the camaraderie between the guys and the, to be able to do that, like each other's a brother, literally like little brother, older brother, whatever. 
we learn a lot, but we're also able to cope with a lot and to have fun while doing it all and proving each other wrong. The trucks have really changed since I started out. When I started, there was a 61 American LaFrance, I believe, and a white pumper and an old GMC tanker that held like 1,200 gallons with a pump on the front. And things have changed so much today that, you know, they was all open cabs, open seating, and now you're locked inside a, a cab with seat belts, and we never even knew what a seat belt was back then, you know. It was get in and hang on because here we go. It's so much nicer. Everything's automatic now almost, and there's not a lot of farm kids left in the fire service where the farm kids could come up here and drive a truck like they've been doing it since they was 10, you know. But you don't really get that much anymore. So it, it's really the equipment has changed so much that for the better that it's unbelievable. You said the trucks have changed quite a bit. Now, we have 7-Eleven that's out there, but there was a truck just before that one. It was 7-12, correct? Yes, that was a uh, 81 American Law France. Now, is there any way we could ever see 712 again? 712 is in disguise. How, it's in disguise. How, how is it in disguise? <laughs> it's in town, but it's painted blue, and it's got Notre Dame all over it. That was our 81 American Law France. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this Notre Dame decked out fire truck sitting over here now that they, now they know it was, used to be 712 from the couch fire department right correct? until a couple of years ago every truck in the station was a truck that i had bought now we've got some new pickup trucks and stuff but until two years ago every truck in the station was something that i was involved with buying the purchase the yeah, purchase of right. getting it here i didn't buy it but i mean if you did buy it we appreciate it yeah that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, we, we've acquired the, the funds and the means to be right. able to buy these. Do you know the history of the first vehicle we had where it ended up or, or anything like that? I thought it was a Chevy. But if you look in the Centennial book, it said it was bought from the Ford dealer in Couts. So I'm not really sure. There's a picture of a truck in the Centennial book, and I... And that's they say it's the first truck. I that's the one that had like the ladder rack right welded on top. Um, uh, there was a gentleman Shepherd, right? Joe Shepherd. Joe Shepherd. He was sitting in it, and I thought there was a soda acid truck first, but I I don't know that for sure. Do you know how long that truck was in service? I, was it in service when you were no, here? No, gone. Oh, uh, you didn't have the opportunity to no. To ride around. But was that the vehicle that they responded to on your the fire that you had? No. Okay. It was a 59 Dodge Power Wagon, which we just got rid of maybe six years ago. Okay. So you did have that for a while? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Do, do we know where that went? Yes, it's in Wisconsin. It's uh, We have redone it all and use it. He actually has a fire company up there that he uses it. Like for, parade routes, right? Wow, that's cool to know that it's still being used. That's that's good. When it uh, 
we changed from, it used to be the grass truck, and then when we got a new grass truck, we took the grass unit off and we put a generator back and made a light tower unit out of it. But when it was a grass truck, it was never used in the wintertime. We put the generator on it, we could use it in the wintertime, but in 1959, a heater was extra. It didn't have a heater in it. Oh, wow. So we had to put a heater in there so we could respond in the wintertime. So you're running the heater off the generator? No, we put one in the truck under the cab. <laughs> so things have drastically changed. Uh, yeah. Drastically changed, especially in the time that you've been on a fire department. Right. Now we're going from hydraulics, hydraulic tools to, you know, battery-powered tools that are doing the same thing. Yeah, I was here when we bought the first Jaws of Life, and that was a big deal, you know. I think we were the only ones south of 30 that had any. They had an old van for a rescue truck when I started. And that thing was so full of stuff. If you ever seen that commercial where the chainsaws are in the background, you know, yep. the kids are... Should we hide in the chainsaws? Uh-huh. Well, that's why this van was, because everything was hanging, <laughs> and it was all back there rattling around, knowing that if you hit the brakes too hard, it was all going to come up and kill you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it was. <laughs> right? So uh, things have gotten a lot safer. <laughs> a lot safer. <laughs> a lot safer. Um, it's not just about the res- you know getting there to help people. It's about protecting the firemen as well. And I- I'm sure bunker gear has changed. I'm sure uh, probably one of the things that's really remained unchanged is the style of fire helmet that we use but right. for the most part uh bunker gear that that has changed quite a bit you went from i guess they called them slicks back then to what we have now yeah we we had three-quarter boots which you pull the boots up it come halfway up your thigh you know no bunker pants uh, me and another guy bought our own bunker pants after a while and we were the first two to have a bunker pants but now, were the, were the coats like a heavy leather or? <laughs> it was a glorified raincoat, really. Right. And they went all the way down to your knee, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, the Nomex that we use, and that, that goes over our head to protect our neck, our, our head, our ears, you know, from the heat. Did you guys have any of that then? We had that when your ears got hot, you were in too far. Right, and that, that's too late. Yeah, <laughs> when you start feeling your ear, uh, yeah, things have definitely changed. Back when you first got on, how was it when you guys responded or or got notified of a call? Well, if you <clears throat> didn't live close enough to hear the fire siren, they had a phone list, and the person who had a fire phone would start down the list and start calling people. And if somebody didn't answer, they'd just go to the next one. But if the first one answered, he was to call the next one on the line, and so on and so forth. Long process, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would slow and, your response. And then we went to, it was called a federal pager. It stood like 14 inches high and sat on a, at home at your desk and, it would go off. It was hooked to the fire siren. So whenever the siren went, why well, this thing would go off. I said we had telephone wire run all over town to houses to set the siren off. Well, what it was was you actually grounded the siren to to make it work. 
the telephone guys hated us because we strung this stuff on their poles. Didn't ask anybody. We just strung it up there. Different times. Yeah. So they would go to work on a telephone line. Here's two lines, and they don't know which is which. If they hooked into ours, they would ground it and get a 110-volt shock out of it. You know, so they, they hated us because they didn't know what was what. They're they're up there working on it and potentially setting the siren <laughs> yeah. off and Here. everything. Uh huh. <laughs> Different times for that kind of thing. Couldn't do something like that now. Yeah. Can you imagine putting wires on a pole now? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Things are definitely different. We had wires strung all the way out to where Midwest Center is to get to houses. Now, when you came into the station, I know there was something about that. I've, I've heard. A little bit of stories about it, but I haven't really. So you would come in the station. Now we have uh, the screen the guys can look at and see a map and kind of see where they're going as far as what who's responding and all that. But there was a different way of doing it then. There was a blackboard. Okay. So the first guy who came to the station that knew where he was going to go wrote on the blackboard what the address was. And they didn't really had have addresses that I remember it was. You had to know where everybody lived. You know, today, I'll say, well, go up to Joe's farm and turn left. Well, some of these new guys just kill me when they I say that. Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've, who, who, who's Joe? Yeah, you've, you've referred to quite a few different farms or <laughs> uh, different landmarks, uh, you know, and we all just kind of look at you in a blank stare, and then <laughs> we talk about it, yeah. you know. Or we just follow you. <laughs> you hey, you know exactly where you're going. Yeah, I've been I've been a part of a few of those where it's because I didn't originate from here. So when I came in and you guys all start talking about the old farm here or the old farm <laughs> there, the, whatever it was, it's like wait a minute, you're gonna have to explain that one. And speaking of of old farms and uh, you've you've farmed quite a bit, right? Right. Grew up on a dairy farm. I never had the opportunity to farm myself, but when I worked for Cargill, I ran the sprayers and the spreaders and done that kind of stuff. And now today I, I help a guy in, in the fall and spring and I still do farm work. That, that's probably my biggest love of anything is farming, you know. It never got it out of my system, really. Right. You, you've recently retired. Right. And But you, you still jump out in the field and have some fun, huh? It's very relaxing. Right. You, how, how long you, can, you... you can sit in the tractor, go back and forth with auto steer, and think about things. Just enjoy the nature yeah. around you, right? How long have you been playing around with that? Oh, forever. Yeah? Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities for us to apply for grants and donations. We recently got a donation from someone that, on YouTube they consider an influ influencer. Got a grant from the Millennial Farmer, Minnesota Millennial Farmer. Um, if you get a chance, he's on YouTube. He's fun to watch. I watch him all the time. I'm kind of into that. <laughs> but uh, he started out with $5,000 of his own and 5000 from a company to buy equipment for fire departments for grain rescue. They had... Two guys in Minnesota that died in grain bins uh, by being entrapped by grain. So we 
decided that we would apply for a grant for Stokes Basket to get into the bin. And we did, and we got money from him for that. We were, I'd say, very lucky to get it. He's in Minnesota, right? Right. And that's going way far and beyond the state lines and knowing someone. That's just someone that has a, a kind heart and actually cares and really is helping. Right. For us as a volunteer fire department, 24 members, um, 100% volunteer, being able to acquire equipment, sometimes even just uh, the support like that is huge for us. It's really big for us. And it goes to show that how technology has not just changed in the fire service as far as tools and apparatuses, not riding on the tailboard no more, um, this, how the siren is. And the siren now sits in our pocket. You know, we have the, the app, and that's how we get toned out, or our pagers is how we get toned out. But now the way we can get donations has changed quite a bit as well to where we're getting support from outside of our community, which is a huge thing. Right. He started out with that $10,000 seed money. Well, he ended up with $50,000. That's amazing. And that was just people donate to him for that cause. It was great, you know, to help. Fire departments always struggle with funds. It's just the nature of the beast, you know. We Just think what a... Volunteer fire department saves the community. If you had one guy, it would cost $100,000 a year to pay him and his benefits. Our budget is not much more than that. So we're running the whole fire department, gas for the trucks. We're putting ton of insurance, which is, you wouldn't believe what insurance costs us. And we're doing it for less than two guys to pay. So it's probably the biggest thing a community can have is the volunteer fire department. There is no way the town of Cowlitz and Pleasant Township could afford to pay 24 guys to work here. Right, and uh, the paid guy, the, there's no difference in our equipment and our training. There's we no all trained the same we, we all have the same we have to have the same search through the state and everything else and our tools and the way we use them and train on them everything's the same between the two except for the need of them being on staff and it's expensive it's extremely expensive right it's it blows my mind away sometimes somebody gives you a hard time about you need this you need that well look what you're getting for your dollar right I mean, you're getting tenfold back what you're putting into it. Right. And it's the commitment of the guys that are doing it. Right. It's, get 24 guys that'll give you labor for free. Right. I mean, you put a lot of time in here. There's there's somebody here every day of the week. Yeah. Sometime or another, there's somebody here. And back when I talked with Chief, we had mentioned that 70% of the fire departments in the United States are volunteer. Right. And the money saved with that is absolutely astronomical. Now, with our budget being what you had said, basically the, the cost of less than two paid firemen is what we our budget runs on. The tools, the apparatuses, which is the trucks, the apparatuses are the trucks. To be able to acquire all that, that's why 
the community support that we receive, it's just a testament to them to see these trucks, to know these tools that we have, to be able to offer that top-notch emergency response that we have. Without them supporting us, like we do the pork chop dinner. And because of COVID, we thought we were going to have an issue doing the pork chops. Well, we did, and it did turn out really well. But without them being able to give us funds or donations, we wouldn't be able to acquire a lot of stuff. And that's why we have guys who write grants and request to different organizations. And that's how we got the bigger ones. Right. The budget we have just covers fuel, maintenance, insurance, all the nice things that we do to update tools and stuff comes from grants and donations. It's it's just the way it is. There's not enough in the budget to to buy everything that you need. We're granting for a lot. I mean, we just recently got the spreaders, right? Right. And that's a $12,000 tool, right? Yes. Now, we've granted and raised money through the community, and we've been able to purchase a couple of them. And one as a cutter, one as a spreader, correct? Right. So with our grants that we get from like the DNR, firehouse subs, uh, I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of them out, but they have these foundations set up to help fire departments because they know that we may not be able to have the funds on our own to get this equipment to help people. So with the community support and with the grant support, we're able to acquire it. Right. And we recently changed radio systems to a 800 megahertz system, which is so much better than the old VHF system that we used to have. But in order to do that, everybody needed new radios. Well, a new 800 portable is $8,000. Each radio. Each radio. The four departments, South, Boone Grove, Hebron, Couts, and Morgan went together and applied for a grant to get radios. And they were successful in getting it. That was a $185,000 grant, I believe, and which made it able for everybody to get radios in, which we would have never been able to do without that grant. Right, there's no possible way we could have. No. That's, just, that's two years' worth of budget without paying for anything else. Right, just for radios. Right. And... We were able to also get the washer the for our bunker gear, um, which was a pretty big deal. Right. The Lucas device. You know, we, we've gotten a lot of equipment that's high-end that costs quite a bit of money that we would have never been able to get unless we had the support of the community and the opportunity to grant. Yes, the, the grants are really a big deal. If, if you've got a good grant writer, and we've got a couple of them, they can get you some stuff. It's It's not easy. I mean, these guys really work at it. Right. They've got a full-time job to pay their own bills at home. They're volunteering as a fireman here answering calls, and they're also spending hours upon hours upon hours in front of a computer to research and write these grants right. in order to, to to be accepted or rewarded these grants. So it's, it's a lot of time. Sometimes I know uh, Kyle, he, he writes a few. Kevin Salyer, he writes a few. And I know they spend, it could be a month of them right. trying to get it prepared. And it's not a it's not an easy process. It's a long one. Everybody has their specialty here, right? You know, it might be working on a truck. It might be the com- computer. Everybody has a little niche that they bring to the table. 
which is great, which makes us to be able to do a lot of different things all at the same time. You right. always you always have guys that have talents everywhere. Yeah, hi. This is Eric calling from North Judson, Indiana. I would like to know who is your favorite mutual aid department. Thanks. Well, I I wouldn't say we have a a favorite. We have a lot of mutual aid departments. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about how that works. We have a set of, it's called box alarms. And if we have a fire call, we have a certain criteria what call it is. But we have Boone Grove, Hebron, and Morgan. They're automatically dispatched the same time we are. So there's no delay if there's a fire, there's going to be four fire departments coming your way. Now, if the fire is bigger than what those departments can handle, it goes to a first alarm. Now, that'll bring in two or three more departments with engines or whatever is called for, and it'll bring in somebody, well, the still alarm brings in somebody to sit at our station, so there's always coverage. When the first alarm goes off, that department moves to the scene. More trucks come in, and another department comes to the station. And we do the same thing with tankers. Um, there's not every place has fire hydrants, so we have to haul the water. Well, it takes a lot, a lot of trucks to haul enough water to fight a fire. So we have what's called tanker plans, and... Uh, the first tanker plan, I think we get five trucks, and they're all 3,000-gallon tankers. And two and three is the same thing. I th think we end up with like, I don't know, it was like 15 or 18 tankers by the time, if you had to call three alarms. So that's, it's, it's an easy way for an incident commander. That's about all I do anymore. I'm too old to fight fire, and I'm too old to carry patients up and down stairs. I'm lucky to get up and down the stairs myself. But it's easy for us to, you don't have to think about, well, who should I call next? It's give me a first alarm and they have it at the dispatch center and they just boop, 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 and tone out all those departments that you have already preset on it, which makes it so much easier on the incident commander. You don't have to think about Who's coming next? So to answer uh, Eric's question, our favorite mutual aid department is, well, quite honestly, all of them, right? Yeah, whoever comes is their favorite at that moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we've got if we've got two of them showing up, those are our best buddies, right? That's right. And it's vice versa. I mean, we're a part of a mutual aid agreement with other departments. Um, we, right. We get toned out for them. We have the only ladder truck in the south south end of the county so it gets called a lot of calls you know it, it's used more than we ever thought it would be everybody kind of looked at us when we said we wanted a ladder truck but, but it it's more than a ladder truck it's got a ladder it's got a pump it's got water they call it a quint because it can do five things so it's more than just a ladder truck you know? and it seems to be the favor of the community when we go to parades Everybody likes the big truck, you know. The kids light up when they see it. Absolutely light up when they see it. Yep, it's a it's a favorite. Well, Chief, I appreciate you stopping in today, sitting down, 
chatting, having some coffee, getting to get your story out there. I'd like to have you come come out and do it again sometime. I'd be more than glad to. Uh, I like to, the older I get, the more I think about the history of things that have gone on and, and would like everybody else to know what, what happened in the old days. We're definitely going to have to sit down again. Chief, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.